been a very good day to you, Victoria. It isn't a good day. We're going it's into a lockdown. Great day. It's shit. Everything's great. We're all everything's wonderful. Yeah, going into lockdown is shit. You're absolutely right there. I'm really excited. Well, you because like I'm... it because your lifestyle doesn't change. <laughs> I'm really excited because I'm kind of recording in a new way today. So I've got high hopes that the sound quality at my end will be marginally less shit than it has been before. Nobody cares. No, that's true. They don't care. Actually, you're absolutely right. Then no, it's funny because when you start no. in radio, you'll know this. When you start in radio, you, it's drummed mm. into you how sound quality is vital, how you've got to get the audio in good quality, yada yada yada. And actually, when people listen to podcasts, no one gives a fuck about the audio quality as long as they can hear the content. Well, clearly, from some of the people in the Apple Top Ten, not jealous at all. <laughs> well, hey, hang on. I thought we we're in some kind of top ten, aren't we? Yeah, we are in. We're in the. Oh, I can't say the top five. We slid down to six beneath Emily Maitlis. Oh, you know, if I'm going to get underneath anybody, I suppose I wouldn't mind getting underneath Emily. Really? <laughs> no, I don't mean that at all. Ah, I mean I'm that so, purely in a I'm podcast. I'm so going to tell her that. I promise. Well, I'm, no. I'm going to tell her that. She's in the line behind John Sopel. Oh, uh, she's bringing up John Sopel's rear. No, John Sopel tweeted the other day about uh, about the big red telephone, Ben, and I thought he wanted to know your stuff about the big red telephone. Oh, has John Sopel got a big, big red telephone? I bet he has. <laughs> I bet it's bigger than your red telephone. <laughs> Almost certainly. He's got a much Anyway, big, he doesn't want to speak mu- to me anymore since I tweeted a picture of Columbo when he was wearing a Columbo Mac, <laughs> and he looked remarkably like him, and I put John Sopel... Columbo separated at birth underneath <laughs> and it got it went viral hashtag blocked <laughs> he never wore that raincoat again are you saying that you're in that basis that John Sopel is not the great big swinging red telephone you think he is <laughs> he might have one of those tiny weeny phones <laughs> in, you know what the Italians call mobile phone oh yes because you've told me and I can't remember <laughs> telefonino Telefonina, that goes with um, my friends obsessed that Germans call mobiles handies. Handy, ah, my handy. <laughs> what is my handy? Ben Andy with my handy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you need a hand. No, you probably don't need another handy. But you know that I'm a total Germanophile. I love Germany and all things German. What do you prefer, Germany or Italy? Oh, I prefer Italy, obviously, because I'm up the whole Italian, of Italy but... or just regionally. No, I, I suppose the whole of Italy. I think all of Italy is fabulous. And would you what, like I'll tell to you what, tell, what's great like though? Tell, the mm. best, the best place in the world is Austria. You didn't let me finish because there you've got the oh, efficiency of the Germans and the warmth, especially in the Tyrol area, just north of Italy. You've got the warmth of the Italians. I mean, the Austrian people in the Tyrol area are fantastic. Mm. And you've got the coolness of the cellars. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's what you like about it. Austria, bril- I've never been there, actually. Have you been to Austria? I really want to go. Yeah, Austria's fabulous. And the brilliance, of course, of the painters and decorators. <laughs> Although they do tend to start wars as well. But who is that? Adolf Hitler. He was an Austrian painter and decorator. He wasn't. I thought he was like a painter-painter, as in he did little crappy paintings. Oh, I think he did that as well as a hobbyist. Or maybe he did was he do a... painting and decorating, really? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I need to Google that. That's what I thought, but I could be wrong. He makes it up as he goes along. I maybe anyway, I, I maybe read that Adolf had the painters in and misunderstood. 
For the fourth time, who are yes. you? And uh, why are you talking about all things Italian? Tell us your name. Okay, my name is Ben Ando. I'm a BBC News correspondent, um, or former BBC News correspondent. I'm certainly not that anymore. Um, I'm a podcaster. I'm um, an all-round good egg, except you hate me. And I'm also, <laughs> as not been mentioned before, but pertinent to this conversation, I'm half Italian on my dad's side. In fact, my dad, Mario, is... Uh, Eddie Pussy. Is... Um, <laughs> is... is <laughs> In in Sicily right now, having gone back there. For the second time during this podcast, I think we got crossed wires there. I think we might have done. And the first time was that you had a grounding in technical aspects of radio. <laughs> I did, I did. When I started, I got a bit of a grounding. I wouldn't claim to be any credit. The thing is, as, 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 okay, so I started in the late 1980s when, you know, you went, you went out to record somebody, you had something about the size of a small computer with two reels on it, and you had to actually record Was it a Telefonino that. size? <laughs> it certainly was not. And, and, you know, there was one mobile phone in the newsroom that was the size of a brick, and it, the charge lasted about 15 seconds, so you had to, to you know, really be um, concise with what you wanted to say. And now, I mean, journalists have to do all their own editing and all this stuff, which we didn't really have to do. I mean, we had to do editing. That was your heyday, wasn't it? It was my, my day of hay. Can you I, believe I you even didn't days. let me finish my introduction? Okay, tell me about yourself. I'm Victoria Mitzi. The surname's Maltese, in case you're interested. So I also come from the same basin as you, <laughs> half of me. And the other comes from the Northern European basin that you so love. <laughs> Uh, what else? Journalist, broadcast journalist. So I know stuff about radio that Ben doesn't know because I'm a little bit younger than he is to his chagrin, mm. however you say that word. Much to my uh, chagrin. Chagrin. <laughs> and I do things in Devon at the moment. So I'm trying to uh, make ends meet however I can due to this blasted lockdown. I am a fitness enthusiast as well as a pod enthusiast of all things audio and journalistic. Yay. Yay. So what are we talking about today, Victoria? Today, we will be talking about a manslaughter. The verdict of manslaughter has come as a shock to some of our listeners, even. Well, I think it's She's... come to a shock on social media, and I think that's exactly what I want to talk about. Is um, But yeah, but so we're going to talk about that. It's uh, Claire Parry's death yes. uh, by PC Timothy Bramer, who's been jailed for manslaughter. Sounds a bit German. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It looks um, a bit dumb, actually. Yes. And isn't it funny the way that manslaughter can also be pronounced man's laughter? Mm. <laughs> well, um, we're also talking about, um, obviously, Johnny Depp losing his uh, libel case, which is something we talked about a lot at the time. So yes. we're going to go pick that a, a little bit apart, maybe pick that up later in another podcast. News just in. Well, quite. And we're going to talk about a guy who controlled his ex-partner's digital existence, which I, which I think I know you found and find really fascinating. Um, well, I, yeah, I think all things controlling are fascinating because they're very subjective, aren't they? Absolutely. And uh, subjunctive. So, no. I thought you were saying and um, so I was letting you speak. Oh, and um, and, and, um, and um, anything else we get to, really, if we, if we get to anything else. But, yes, but a the bit of thing. interaction. Neither of us have found our feet because uh, I, I believe Ben's got an apology. To me. He's got something that he wanted to say to you all. Did I? It was really honourable of you, Ben, to volunteer to make a public apology. Okay, I make it for whatever the thing I have to make a public apology for, I make it. I can't believe you don't even know. Is it for. Oh, is it because of um, the recording went wrong? Is it because old sausage fingers? How do you say sausage fingers in Italian? Digitali sausage. So what's sausage? Digitali salsicce. 
<laughs> Sassiccia, that's you. Mr. Italian sausage. sausages are lovely. You know, Italian sausages have got fennel in. They taste really aniseedy, oh, and I love we them. We love fennel. Mm, yum yum. Yumston oh. and indeed McGumston. Well, there's a there's a pork farm, pig farm, pork farm, not too far away from here. And my neighbours, I'm trying to muscle in on their deliveries. If you listen to this, just move over, give us some sausages. I saw some sausages going under the grill the other day and I nearly collapsed with desire. <laughs> That's the only kind of sausage that fills you with desire these days. Uh, I'm always around the neighbours for a bit of sausage. Boom, boom. Isn't it Talking some, of which. Uh, hang on, isn't the neighbour always having people around for a bit of sausage? Oh my god. I think a sausage fest is a different thing to that or that may be known as a sausage fest. But <laughs> sausage it, that's all come fest. to a head. That's sausage all come to a head, party. but I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I am allowed to talk about it in a sense that charges and prosecutions are going ahead. Uh-huh. So it's big time serious. And oh, I okay. shall be able to talk about it after proceedings. <laughs> Hilarious as it is, all this stuff I've been—I feel vindicated now. Oh God! It's the talk of the town, and I have my finger on the pulse. Oh no! Devon news. Nothing more annoying than you when you're self-righteous. Mm, it's wonderful. It's clenchy buttocks time. <laughs> Anyway, so we're going to talk about um, Claire, the Claire Parry's death now. So um, right. I'm going to spin this one up. Uh, Timothy Bramer uh, has been jailed for uh, ten and a half years after being acquitted of murder, but pleading guilty to the manslaughter of his lover, his married lover, Claire Parry, a 41-year-old nurse. Now, they had met on the 9th of May she was angry she had found out that he was seeing another woman now he's a married man a married police officer he was seeing her for more than 10 years uh, having an affair with her for more than 10 years um she then found out he was seeing another woman on the side on the side to side i suppose and beside she, the side of be, side <laughs> oh i do like beside to be beside the bremer side <laughs> Um, I wouldn't. She then grabbed his phone, sent a text to his wife saying, I am cheating on you, as in I, Timothy Bramer, am cheating on you. They then got into what he described in court as a kerfuffle in his car. He claimed his arm slipped in the melee and put constant pressure on her throat for at least 30 seconds. Um, That caused significant force, which um, damaged her neck. She suffered severe neck injuries and she died the next day in hospital. Now, what's interesting here is that after the verdict, which was that he was acquitted of murder and, as I said, was found guilty of manslaughter because he admitted that. He pleaded guilty to manslaughter. Twitter and social media was up in arms about how a man who effectively puts his arm across the throat of a woman so forcefully that he causes what was described in court by a pathologist as severe neck injuries such that she dies to them can only be convicted of manslaughter. And we had some interaction on this and it's my view that juries when they are faced with cases like these which involve infidelity and dishonesty on both sides they're not hugely shall we say understanding and forgiving for um, victims in this case so while many people listening to this might think that this was a prima facie case of murder um, he was found guilty of manslaughter the jury acquitted of murder the other point to make 
is that the jury were in court, we weren't, and they will have heard all the evidence. And even if you try and write it up, I know this from having covered lots of court cases, even if you try and write it up as fairly and evenly as you can, somebody reading your copy will often feel themselves that they are, they are reading more than you have written. And it may well be that there was a lot more evidence that we didn't hear actually reported around um, him maybe not um, although enough force was applied to her neck to cause these injuries, maybe there are other circumstances around exactly what happened that we don't know about. But even so, I think this was a big surprise to a lot of people that he was acquitted of murder. So it means you corrected me on this, didn't you, about the length of sentencing? What if you're given just over ten years? Do you actually serve then? Well, you, the the general acceptance is, is that if you are given a custodial sentence of a period of time, well, no, that's wrong. You're given a sentence of a period of time. You will serve half of it actually in custody, and provided you're a, a, a good, well-behaved prisoner, you will serve the second half of it on license. So that is that if you do anything wrong during that time, although you're actually free and you can do whatever you want to do, if during that period of license you do anything else wrong, then the sort of the rest of your existing sentence is reactivated and you're sent back to prison so let's say in this circumstance he's been jailed for 10 and a half years the chances are he'll serve say five years and three months um, when he's released after five years and three months if he then does so much as to get a I don't know a speeding fine uh, it's quite possible that the courts would then reactivate his custodial sentence and he has to be returned to prison to spend the remaining five years and three months serving out the rest of this sentence in prison the idea of that is um, that first of all it stops the prisons becoming too clogged up and it gives people a target to aim at it gives them an incentive to be good in prison not to cause trouble and so on and so forth but a lot of people find that to be a little bit beyond the pale if somebody is jailed for ten and a half years and they're out in five or five years and three months um, a lot of people will find that quite hard to swallow well, I certainly waited for my turn to talk there. Um, uh, the, the amount of breaths that I could take, listeners must be hearing this kind of like big gaspy, frustration-y thing in the background. Well, so in reality, this guy will serve a fraction of that sentence, which people people are being divided now. It's friends and family of Claire Perry uh, versus a jury decision now. I mean, from what I've seen from social media judge and jury decision because uh, they are up in arms about that and certainly a former police officer i think uh, his work was terminated before this judgment if i'm not wrong that's um, right yes there was a disciplinary kind of hearing misdemeanor. yeah there was a disciplinary hearing i think in september and he was dismissed from dorset to police force nevertheless inside he'll be viewed as a cop and he is going to try and behave himself to do anything to get out of that place. And this is something that is resonating with people who don't think his sentence is long enough, is the fact that it will be very harsh for him as a police officer, in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's always difficult for police officers to um, go to prison. They are often targeted by other inmates. And I imagine that his prison um, sentence will be no basket of roses. The other thing that I wanted to mention was a fund which has been started by friends and family, which has done phenomenally well in support of the other victims in this case, the family and children of Claire Parry. She leaves behind two small children 
and the fund has exceeded any expectation so far and is growing. So hopefully giving some redress to some of the people who are feeling wronged by the sentencing. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, mean, I think a lot of people would have had a lot of sympathy for Claire Parry, um, the victim in this case. And even her husband um, uh, said that um, he was incredibly disappointed with the verdict, branded uh, Timothy Bremer, the accused, a well-practiced liar. Uh, He said he has shown himself uh, to be consistently dishonest, deceitful and devious. Claire was a caring nurse practitioner who helped many people in a career over 20 years. She was a loving family member and a doting mother who leaves behind two young children. Our lives, he says, are poorer... If you let me finish. You didn't let me finish. Without her in them. <laughs> Very sad. I'd like to chime in with a listener interaction um, who is representing the perhaps other side of the argument to the sympathy from friends and family and saying that this woman's cheated on her husband for the entire time that she was married. So maybe a sentiment, uh, we've already spoken, Ben and I, about the composition of juries and the balance of them and that um, surprisingly the overrepresentation of other women can provide quite a harsh judgment for the defendant so perhaps that's happened in this case and this listener does agree with that I won't say the exact details and they wish to remain anonymous it says that in no uncertain terms that they think some of the culpability is with Claire Parry what do you think Ben? Yeah, I mean, this is what it comes back to. I think there's an interesting take here as well on the um, the gender split in juries. And my experience has always been that um, when you have um, juries that are made up of a, a majority of females compared to males, I have found them to be possibly harsher and possibly more ready to convict. And that's only anecdotal. I certainly haven't done any kind of an actual empirical survey of it but certainly that's the sense I get and, and and I don't know I don't know what the makeup of the jury was in this case but it wouldn't surprise me at all if um, part of their deliberations and we can never know what juries deliberate and that's that's you know, not you're not allowed to report on it you're not allowed to talk about it and jurors aren't allowed to be interviewed about it but um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was some feeling that um, well if not um, that she deserved it, certainly not. And everybody, you know, anybody would think it's a terrible shame for a, a woman of 41 to be killed in this way. But that um, there will be, they will have perhaps been less sympathetic than they would have been had she not been a woman who was at the end of a 10 year affair having threatened to expose her married lover. The whole thing's pretty awful. It, it provides a fascinating case for the fact that it does sort of have all these judgments and facts to bear. And as you called it, pl- prima facie Casey. A prima facie Casey. <laughs> but yeah, terribly sad. And, and um, our deepest regret goes to uh, friends and family who may be listening to this because, um, as you say, a woman of 41 really shouldn't have been taken in this appalling way, especially not by a um, trained police officer. Absolutely. Um, but moving on, moving on. What are we going to? Shall we talk about Johnny Depp now? Johnny Depp. Can you believe it? This is the depth of my surprise. Is Johnny I... Depp loses that? What was it called? The libel case of the century. It was called when we were covering it in July. Um, I suppose given Nick we're, only, we're only twenty years into the century. I suppose that's not a big thing to say. I imagine there'll be bigger libel cases during the remaining eighty years of the century. Oh, I thought century. it was going back, and there might not have been any good ones. Oh, you mean the libel case of the last hundred years? Right. 
Well, there was that famous libel case that Elton John won against Private Eye, wasn't there? That was a biggie. What was that? Tell me about it. Um, well, when that was, was when... Uh, I, I don't exactly was recall. Was I in diapers? Was... I, quite possibly. It was in the... I think it was in the... <laughs> the no very comment. Late, I think it was in the late 80s or early 90s, and the, the private eye libelled Elton John or Sir Elton John. I don't know what it is they said, and even if I did, I probably wouldn't want to repeat it. El, uh, Sir Elton took them to court and won and was awarded a massive amount of damages, and Ian Hislop famously emerged from the hearing and said, if that's justice, I'm a banana. Love Ian Hislop. <laughs> <He's funny. laughs> he is funny, but I think he can be quite acerbic as well, can't he, rather? He can be acerbic, absolutely. But I suppose if you're going to be editor of Private Eye, you need to be fairly acerbic, don't you? True. Anyway, anyway the bones of this. Johnny, Johnny Depp has Depp. lost. <laughs> and that's a big surprise. I, I think most people watching this sort of thought that he would win. They sort of... And the, the allegation is basically... Hashtag justice for Johnny. Are you going to give us the background to this or shall I? Very quickly. I will. It's my turn. Johnny Depp has lost his libel case against the Sun newspaper over an article that called him a wife beater. 57-year-old Mr Depp sued the paper after it claimed he assaulted his ex-wife Amber Heard, which he denies. The Sun said the article was accurate. Judge Mr Justice Nichols said the Sun had proved what was in the article to be substantially true. He found 12 of the 14 alleged incidents of domestic violence had occurred. Mr Depp's lawyer called the ruling perverse and said the Hollywood actor intends to appeal. A spokesperson for the Sun said it had stood up for domestic abuse victims for decades and thanked Ms Hurd for her courage in giving evidence to the court. There are further proceedings in the States to continue out of this. Um, part of that is Amber Heard suing Johnny Depp. So it rumbles on with Johnny Depp fans. We love you, by the way, and we are ourselves Johnny Depp fans. However, the ruling has, has worked against him. I mean, in practical terms, though, uh, Johnny Depp had uh, sued for libel because he said that the basic principal point was that he wasn't a wife beater. He didn't um, physically attack Amber Heard. And in that sense, the article was wrong and uh, it would have seriously damaged his reputation and his um, uh, business and his work and so on and so forth. What the judges said is really clear, actually, and it's unusual in, in, for a, a libel judge or a civil case to be quite as clear as this. He says that, yes, Johnny Depp has proved that this article is the kind of article that would cause damage to his reputation, but he says the defence was that he believes the words are substantially true. So the judge is saying, I actually believe that what the Sun published was substantially true, that Johnny Depp has attacked Amber Heard, that he is, in effect, a wife beater. And he said that because for that reason, I mean, there is a defence for libel, which is that if you what you print is true and a judge agrees it's true, then that's that. And so it's quite surprising that the judge has been so clear on saying that when it came to the actual evidence... He didn't believe the 20 or so hours of uh, evidence that Johnny Depp gave, or at least not the the material part of it, which is that he didn't uh, attack Amber Heard. And he did believe Amber Heard's version of events, that she was attacked by Johnny Depp. Further complicated things in this case was, I mean, there was there were volumes of there were there were many witnesses, weren't there? There were there was lots of evidence. However, there was some 
backwards and forwards over accounts given by Amber Heard and her own employees, which certainly should have followed to be in the same direction. So I think there were many twists and turns in this. And again, it's a balance of fans jumping on a bandwagon as well. So sometimes on social media that can take over. And it certainly did with this case. Um, Mm. The hashtags for Johnny Depp were much stronger and they had a lot more followers. But it's always the case. I mean, mm. all of these these cases, these libel cases, nearly always end up getting so convoluted and so confused, not not just because the evidence itself becomes very confused and convoluted and involved, but also because people quote it selectively and that selective quote becomes the defining quote and it might not necessarily be the case. And for all sorts of reasons, what you read on Twitter is not always what's happening actually in the courtroom. It ain't uh, always true, kids. Well, quite. And that's um, where Nick Wallace stepped in for us because he was live tweeting from court and he was the only journalist doing that and therefore has uh, received acclaim and, and indeed uh, crowdfunding um, for his work that he did at the High Court in London. So um, he fed regular bits of uh, regular accounts back and put it in more context than perhaps videos floating around social media did. Yeah. Uh, Very interesting. It's fascinating and and not uh, least for the comments and the care we had to take, as we like to do here at You Didn't Let Me Finish, tiptoeing around the facts. Absolutely. But... I th- the point is this: you know, this isn't finished here because it's as, as you've already said. Um, uh, it seems likely that both parties will appeal, um, or at least certainly um, Johnny Depp will appeal, and then obviously the um, the um, uh, plaintiffs will have to respond to that. And also, there are un- ongoing proceedings in the United States as well. So uh, this story ain't over yet, folks. A couple of things I wanted to say. Firstly, that um, the the spin on this is quite interesting. Now we've had a verdict. And do you know who Mark Borkowski is, Ben? I do not. He's a PR guru, okay. apparently. <laughs> a PR and guru. Um, he said there's now an indelible stain on Johnny Depp's Reputation. That was exactly what Johnny Depp was trying to remove by taking this action. Um, (laughs) And the other thing that I wanted to say was the son's lawyer's comment is how one of the articles closes, is that there's no doubt that Mr Depp regularly and systematically abused his wife. So that's something that Johnny Depp fans are certainly fighting on social media today. And it's worth looking up if, uh, if you've got nothing better to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I mean, if you just look at Twitter again, I mean, there's a lot of um, Johnny Depp fans who are kind of saying they don't accept it. Basically, um, I'm devastated and sick to my stomach. This is a huge injustice. The judge clearly didn't listen to the audio tapes. Um, and there's lots and lots of people saying that uh, well, this is a bullshit verdict. Um, yeah, I could keep going, but there's lots and lots of people who are clearly um, not taking this well, should we say? Well, I I sort of sympathise in a sense that I think Johnny Depp is a really personable, funny and sensitive guy. He's a very good actor. And those things do tend to sway a public image very much. (laughs) And it's horrible to have to think, you know, when I heard that for the first time and then I saw that famous video where he's they're all knocking about the kitchen and he's got that bottle of red wine, which is the size of a kind of small dinghy have you seen that and it's sloshing around and he just looks and then she's she's kind of simpering and that just all makes it look like it's totally his fault i was like johnny depp no pirates of the caribbean i love him 
But now I just think, grow up and stop, you know, just stop abusing each other and your position of power with all the funds that you have while the rest of us are moaning in lockdown. You're certainly moaning. <laughs> Dial 0898. Does that happen moan. anymore? Is 0898 still a thing? Everyone goes online now for their naughty pawnies, don't they? I think they must do, yeah. I certainly, I don't, I've never dialed 0898 to hear anybody moan. I think the equivalent moan. that I've learned of, I learned of years ago, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, is that there are these things that. <laughs> I'm so naive, I think. Apparently, uh, young people, individuals who wish to access a little bit of naughty material, and they do it in a sort of Zoomy type of call. Have you heard of this? And then you go and you go into a sort of chatty thing with an actual person. What? And that person is what? Like a sort of... Uh... A prostitute or something. Yeah, and I knew that that kind of thing happened, like, oh, take your pants off, 50 quid, or whatever. <laughs> I don't think they'll say it like that, will they? <laughs> Is it Zoom-stitution? Get your, under, get your undercrackers off. <laughs> I'll pay you tomorrow when I get my paycheck. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so isn't that funny? It's Zoom-stitution. Wow, OK, I hadn't heard so of that. So I don't... I think 0898, people would begrudge it. They can just get it for... Oh, actually, no, because they're paying for some kind of subscription. I think it sort of leads to prostitutes. But if you're a woman, assuming it's a woman, if you're a woman sitting in the comfort of her own home, nice and warm, and you're on the computer <laughs> with a camera there, and somebody tells you to pull your knickers down and you do it for, say, 50 quid... Is that actually prostitution? It's just a good time. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> Was a good time had by all? Do you know what you should be called? If I had one, you could call it your Wendy house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the Wendy house? Well, aside from the, fortunate, the unfortunate childhood connotations, your name isn't Wendy. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to have childhood connotations, but is that a well-known thing that everyone used to get their bits out in the Wendy house? <laughs> no. I don't know. I think we're probably taking a dark, a trip into the darkest recesses of your past that none of us wants to. Did you not get your willy out in the Wendy house? I don't recall ever getting my willy out in a Wendy house, no. Uh, well, when I was walking my daughter and her friend home, they decided to both get their bits out in the street, <laughs> quite a way away from the, all of us. We were shouting at them down the street and they thought it was the funniest thing. What, pull their pants down? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then because we start laughing when they do it because we're sort of all agog and sort of scared, they now think that this is their favourite party piece. Yeah, I mean, of course, you, you know, you, so they do it and new parents immediately make a huge song and dance and they get lots of attention for mm. it. So of course they're going to do it again. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the thing, but... You don't really know. Nobody gives you a manual about what to say when they do it. You, know, you don't want to reprimand <laughs> the them immediately. The down manual. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have a copy of that. <laughs> Are we allowed to include this? Is it straying into weird territory? Possibly. Oh, I don't know. We need to talk. Oh, we need, but we need again. to move on. We need to move on to the man oh, who controlled his to naughty digitals, digital which existence. actually go. Well, they go quite well with what we've been speaking about just now. Well, tell me about. You know, tell me just, all about it. Basically a grown-up Wendy house, isn't it, for this guy? <laughs> Tell me all okay. about him. He's in your manner. This man apparently controlled an ex-partner's digital existence. And if you're like me, you need more explanation than that. 
A man who used his ex-partner's social media accounts to send explicit clips of her to her boss and family has been jailed for three years and four months. Cody Russell took over the 20-year-old woman's entire digital existence for five months and drove her to try to kill herself. And that was um, found by Exeter Crown Court. His actions just down the road from me, in fact. His actions caused her to lose two jobs after her bosses received what appeared to be sexual approaches from her. 22-year-old Russell admitted stalking that caused serious harm and distress. Uh, Russell, who comes from Torquay, hacked into his ex-partner's bank, mobile, Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat accounts, causing so much suffering that she was sectioned under the Mental Health Act. He also sent explicit clips of the woman to her mother, sisters and friends. For some reason, that bit gets me most. When detectives visited her home, they were amazed to find her social media accounts changing as they watched them on her phone, the court heard. Russell also took over her bank accounts and used her details to buy phones and other items. Do you think he bought a telefonino? <laughs> he might well have done. Apparently he did. I don't... Yeah. I, I, the yeah. thing that gets me about this, though, is this, this moment when the cops are looking at her phones and watching as somebody else remotely is changing status and updates and things on her various social media accounts. And this is, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. And I'm thinking, surely she must have been aware this was happening. And surely she would just deactivate those accounts and start new ones. Again, we're straying into the territory of something, facts that the jury and the judge would know, but you weren't party That's to. That's a fair point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I do think it's weird, and um, but I do think that this woman, who was obviously suffering mentally from the way that this man was behaving, may not have been able to, because, I mean, who would sit there and do nothing if they could do something about this kind of thing happening? What's interesting for me, and it's an often talked about subject in gender terms, is this stalking phenomenon because it's a very difficult thing to control especially in the digital sphere it goes over blurred boundaries sometimes say you're living with somebody and you're stalking them you know where does the line of oh well you know i had a look at their phone because it was next to me on the table stop and you know, I started poking around and going into accounts and things like that. Yeah, totally. And the thing that worries me about this one, again, and we don't have all the details here, is that he was warned and arrested repeatedly, but every time he was released, he'd go straight back to stalking her. And that really worries me, because obviously there wasn't an element of violence here. It was it was enough to make her need to be sectioned under the Mental Health Act. It was obviously a um, terrible uh, ordeal for this woman and, you know, really, really shocking. Um, but I'm a little bit flummoxed that he was he was every single time he was arrested, he was just released. And even though he clearly been warned and told he shouldn't do this, he just kept back to doing it. And every single time he was released again. I do think you have to be a bit persistent to be a stalker. Otherwise, you're sort of going against the job description. No, I mean, you know, obviously, are you saying that you would only want a quality stalker whose stalking was persistent and enthusiastic? Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of should give up your position of stalker if you can't step up to the requirements. <laughs> if you can't walk the walk, you shouldn't stalk the stalk. That's right. <laughs> stalky, stalky. If you just talk the talk and don't walk the walk, <laughs> then you can never be said to be stalking the stalk. Well, I found this really interesting. I just think it's something that could happen to any of us. And actually, this chap just became completely, obviously obsessed. And he had a little bit of a... Um, bad nature to him I think I mean 
you know, a lot of people are possessive and dominating and controlling. Um, however, they just don't go down this avenue that uh, young Cody Russell chose to. Yeah, I mean, I think there was there is a sort of sinister um, aspect to this. I mean, he he the judge said he acted with possessiveness, domination, and control. And when the relationship ended, he reacted with unreasonable anger and sought to maintain control with aggressive intimidation, which is what this is. Because, I mean, I think in the modern world, and I speak as a a, a horribly middle-aged man here, but in the modern world, our social media, our Twitters, our Instagrams, our Facebooks and all the rest of it, they kind of are now increasingly an extension of ourselves. They are where we, you know, put out there who we are. They are how we define ourselves. And if somebody gets into that and starts messing around with that, that can be um, very damaging to you, both in terms of your reputation externally, and as we heard with this woman lost two jobs because of this, but also I think, you know, internally and how you perceive yourself. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a form of, um, of, 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 you know, even more aggressive and intimidating gaslighting, isn't it? Something that fills me with horror is those sort of intimate moments that you share with somebody being shared with people that they're not supposed to be shared with. Uh, when what I don't understand, you know, you you have difficulty with her lack of putting a stop to what Russell did, but I have difficulty with people allowing people to film them and record them or is that as you say now just a part of people's digital existence and that's normal when you get you know a lot of young women are allowing this to happen I mean I do understand that it can be you know coerced and um sort of peer pressure and that kind of thing however surely you realize that that might be used in a in a horrible way against you yeah I'm with you on that I mean you know we've covered lots and lots of cases now where um you know, young women are sort of blackmailed by ex-boyfriends who threaten to sort of like send uh, or put out self-filmed, you know, pornography and so on on the internet. And in fact, you know, there's 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 been quite a few cases around that, haven't there, where, you know, uh, the people have been prosecuted for that. But it, I do find myself wondering, if you were a particularly a young woman, if your boyfriend says, I want to film us doing this, why you would say yes? I don't know. It seems like... Not well, necessary. I mean, come on, you can understand, Ben. You like showing off on camera. Yeah. Imagine if um, <laughs> if a foxy young lady said, hey, Ben, how about putting these on? <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would your answer be a downright no? Yeah, but if I was with a foxy young lady and I said to her, can we film you doing X, Y, Z, it wouldn't surprise me at all if she said no. In fact, I'd be slightly surprised, as you say, if she said yes. Oh, yeah, go on, go, go ahead and film, because I know that there's nothing that will happen in the future that could possibly make me regret letting you feel me pulling my knickers down well let that be a lesson to you ben <laughs> well, I, I think increasingly is <laughs> that the, the, the person who ne- it needs to be a lesson to is you uh, this is Why? something what have i, I done? Think this is something that 90 percent is female victim and male perpetrator 99 percent do you think that i would acquiesce to such a demand no i don't but that's the point is you're saying let it be a lesson to me but i don't think i'm the person who needs to take the lesson here i think it's young females oh well thank you well not you then (laughs) (laughs) oh shit i was just constructing my wendy victoria's wendy house website (laughs) right then Oh, you don't like that? Yes, no, I do. I'm not funny today. You are very funny. (laughs) I am very funny. Ah, You just knew you'd said that and then you (laughs) recoiled from it. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Uh, well, are we all yes. talked out? I'll tell you what we're going to talk about next time. We're going to talk because next time we do this, we will be properly in lockdown, and we've got a few. There's a few things I want to talk about, and there's one quick, very quick thing that I'm going to leave everybody with, which is at the st- we started this podcast, which is now what 32 episodes old, at the start of the first lockdown, and our first kind of. I don't know, hot take was on how to dispose of a body during lockdown. And I've had a new uh, suggestion, which is that when you've buried your body that you have the person you've killed during lockdown in some secluded area, what you do is you cover it with endangered species of plants. And that way it can't be dug up because that would be violating sort of, you know, environmental legislation. So there you go. Now he's so pleased with themselves. Very pleased with myself. Anyway, we're going to talk more about lockdown Uh next time. Well, I'd like to then say that I'm going to call it BDT, Body Disposal Tips. Get yours on a postcard and send them into you didn't let me finish podcasts at gmail.com. Catchy as it is, let me say it again. You didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. And I want to know who's listening to us because I know you are, but I need to know who and where you are and what you're doing. And I'd also like your reactions to the Johnny Jet. Should I say the thing that rule broadcasters say? Just put my teeth back in. <laughs> I'd like a reaction to the Johnny Depp verdict. Um, or indeed any of the other stories that we covered or you'd like to see us covering. And a few th- notes of thanks to all of you. It's okay, because we had a little... Um, we did. We had a mock recording, didn't we? Yes. Again, Ben. And I am going over and combing over the events of the mock recording. I was thinking about Guy, Big Bear... And um, and your comments on social media. So I wanted to thank you for that. And just to say, because he said, "Is he an essential item?" And uh, <laughs> I think I, I think I called him. I just I said you're like a unique. You can't touch this. But yeah, and and um, despite discovering Lady Justice's podcast, friend of our podcast, Chantel, mm. which he knows is brilliant now as well, he's still coming back to us. So I hope you're still listening. <laughs> we haven't lost listeners through all our great recommendations, as with. Jules, the Riddle Me That podcast. Thank you for all your support and, and love. And we look forward to a collaboration. Yeah. Uh, ben, I have to mention this to you. That's me mentioning it to okay. you. Paint and Poet, friend of the podcast as well. I just, what I'm doing is I, I'm just nudging you and saying, I know you're out there and we want your poems. Also, we have another poet. You know who you are. Um, there was a little reaction that he now knows that where I conceived my daughter. <laughs> that was his feedback. I was like, oh, sorry about that. But I love your poems. And also Lily, listening from Australia. Max, for your interactions, podcast you wrote. Hayes, I hope I haven't made you miss your stop on the bus like I did last time when I mentioned you because I love your comments and feedback and you keep us in business as well because I do listen to what you say and I listen to any feedback and also if you're a new listener do rate review subscribe if you like us tell us you like us on Podbean if you can or any of your providers where you listen to us and do drop us a tweet thanks podcast radio we love being in your top 10 we'd rather be in your number one which we actually may have been Ben Um, neither of us neither of us listened to that episode where they did the chart (laughs) which we've been in for a few weeks so um, but we love podcast radio they've got great podcasts interesting ones Uh, thanks a lot Graham Mack because our interview about Madeleine McCann has been well sliced and put up there for your delectation and that's always interesting for a revisit because that case always rumbles on yeah and off we go into our lockdown hovels 
Wow. Gosh, that was pretty impressive that you got through all those. I mean, I, I was lost minutes ago. Well done. Oh, I forgot some thanks. I forgot Brian for your email interaction. That was great. And TG for all your feedback because um, a lot of our crimes are being sent in. Thank you for those. And Glamorous News Lady, as usual, for all the news hounding that you you guys all do. We love you. Yeah. And we love all our listeners, wherever in the globe you're listening from. Do tell us because some of them are quite exotic. <laughs> How can people get us on Twitter oh, quickly before um, we go? At YDLMF Podcast is our Twitter and YDLMFpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. Nice and catchy okay. and easy to remember. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And lastly, what was your reaction when you heard Boris on Saturday? I didn't hear Boris on Saturday. When you heard we were going into lockdown? Um, oh, I don't know. Just here we go again, really. I just, I, I, my, my view is that there's no strategy. Nobody knows what they're doing. But I suppose they don't know what they're doing. But I sort of think if we'd just done um, what Keir Starmer suggested and gone into the sort of the, um, the circuit breaker lockdown over half term for two weeks, maybe things would have been a bit easier. But it's easy to be, be clever after the event, isn't it? Is there anything you're looking forward to? Um, yeah, loads of things. Does I'm anyone have to. anything to look forward to? Go on. Oh, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to not a life. I mean, I enjoy life. It's good. Um, you know. Okay. Oh no, that's boring. I mean, out of lockdown, is there anything in lockdown? You know, because you're cooped up, you can maybe sort out your collection of. No, nothing at all. Whatever um, you collect. No, I mean, the one thing I will miss is going to the gym. But you know, there you go. Oh yeah, no more gym selfies from you, unless you choose to do it from your. No, I'm much too website. lazy. I can't do. I can't do them at my at my house. I suppose I know I should do exercise at home, but I just can't seem to do it. I'm much too lazy. I think I don't know. Oh, are you going to get fat then? Oh, be the chubbiest of the tubbiest. Oh, the tubbiest of daddos. <laughs> I was actually trying to get something funny out of you, but uh, there you go. I'll leave you with a little jolly from my daughter, aged four. And loads of people who don't have kids are now rolling their eyes. But it's about um, you, Ben, eating your heroes that you pretended that you bought for trick-or-treaters. <laughs> yes. You didn't, did you? Oh, yeah, no, I did. I thought, well, I'll buy some for trick-or-treaters and I'll be really mean with them. I, my plan was that if any trick-or-treaters came to the door, I was going to say, how many are you? I was going to get one treat, one hero out for each of them, put them on a plate and then hold them out so they didn't actually have to sort of like reach into the box or anything. That was did you plan. devise a pulley system? <laughs> no, the, the heroes weren't going to be on the end of a complex pulley system. <laughs> but in fact, what did you actually do with a box of heroes? Well, we ate them because I had my daughter and her girlfriend here. And um, once it got to about eight o'clock and we decided that um, the, the good people of Huntingdon were not going to be going out trick-or-treating after, as, as they probably shouldn't anyway, um, then I was going to eat them. Obviously, I did, I did um, tweet Twitter to ask its opinion. Everybody on Twitter said, just eat the fucking things. So I did. Trickle, trickle-treating, as lots of kids call it. Is that what they call it? trickle isn't that sweet well i i'm a bit naughty because well you know that anyway mm. but uh and like a lot of the people that we talk about on our podcast i'm a little bit naughty but that there was some stuff God. going on in the sort of center of the estate and you could have gone down there and volunteer your sweets <laughs> um i did prepare sweets however nobody came around because we live on the kind of cornery bit yeah so no one came to get them so this box of roses that my four-year-old had thrown <laughs> a little bit of a fit about in the supermarket you know those giant boxes of roses. i, I tweeted you about it yeah. i put the picture up so yeah. you can always have a look at our twitter we're um we're individually ben ando and at misty holland 
and she then sort of looked at the box and she looked at me she'd been staring at the box of chocolates which I'd had to put on a high shelf to stop <laughs> her from because she, she conducts these uh, these little climbing episodes and she puts like she'll put like a footstool and then a box on top of it and try and climb on top of it to get to the treats so I had to put it out of harm's way and then she looked at she looked at me and she said mummy can I choose one from the menu now <laughs> Which I thought was quite sweet. She was like, I know what a menu is. A menu is when you ask for what food you want. Oh, very good. So um, I won't tell you how many roses are left in that box. Not many. Not many. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.